Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. I want to talk about wisdom, and here's why. Wisdom is the power to make the right choice. Okay? You know what's very important? When you make choices that are rooted in godly wisdom, there is a benefit, not a regret. The wise man, his children benefit from wisdom. So the opposite of shame, right, is wisdom. Like, so have you ever done something and you got, you got caught doing it and you're like, wow, that was pretty shameful, uh, just Brett and I. Uh, <laughs> not Mary. Uh, and, and, but wisdom is the opposite. Wisdom is something that, in a sense, you can be proud of, but not proud in a proud sense, like, oh, I'm great. But it's, it's God led you and God showed you, and you used the knowledge that you have correctly. Okay? So there's wisdom, there's knowledge, and there's understanding. All right? Follow me. Knowledge is the facts. Knowledge is the info. Wisdom is to use the knowledge correctly and understanding is to know what the results will be of using knowledge correctly. Okay? Now, we're not doing it this week, but for those of you who like to do audits and uh, what, are, what are the other things uh, where you really look into something? Besides an audit, there's another name. Someone smart help me. What? Hmm? Compliance. All right, but I'm talking about an autopsy, interrogation, interrogation. Forensic, forensic audit. You, you want to know something interesting? You look in your Bible and you look in Proverbs and you look who hangs out with wisdom and you look, you look at words that are connected to wise. You do a study on who they roll with. That's free. I'm not giving that to you today, but, but that we're going to, we're going to get into all that, um, all right. Now, the word wisdom appears 227 times in the New King James Version Bible. Now, the word wise appears 207 times. So this is a lot of times, right? Now, the goal of wisdom is to become wise. Wisdom is not simply about information. It's about transformation. This is extremely important in our day because of the amount of options that are being presented to us. Everything is lawful, but not everything is profitable. So as a Christian, you have to think about, do you want to be profitable or do you want to just get away with stuff and do the bare minimum? Do you want to be a bare minimum Christian who goes to you know, heaven by the skin of your teeth or do you want to be a Christian who releases Jesus, walks in favor, even experiences persecution and the blessing that comes with that? Someone who can be trusted with abundance, someone who's good under pressure. Or do you want to come to Jesus to, and him be your therapist for the rest of your life, never get healed and never change? You have to ask yourself, what is it that you want? Because most people come to church for free therapy. All right. So what is wisdom? Who is wisdom? How do we get it? What do we do with it? And the final question, what will it do for us? Can I tell you there's nothing wrong with asking you that? Asking yourself that question is not a bad question. What's in it for you? I tell you, if you don't think that there's anything for you in this church, you should leave. You should go somewhere where you think that there is something legitimately in it for you. And you know something? That, that, that sounds crazy that you say that, but it's true because I am not involved in things where there's nothing in it for me. Because that's an abusive relationship. And the church is not an abuser. All right. Now, the law of first mentions. Pharaoh says this about Joseph the dreamer. There is no one as discerning and as wise as you. 
Pharaoh. <laughs> if you wrote a book, would Pharaoh foreword your book? You know Reverend Mac Barnes, he's coming here. When is he coming? The 20th of September on a Wednesday? He wrote a book. You know who forwarded it? Michael Bloomberg. If you wrote a book, would Pharaoh forward your book? Would Pharaoh say, no, no, <laughs> there's nobody like that guy. That guy sees between the lines. That guy is discerning. That guy can pick up on stuff that, that people don't see. All right. Now, the law of first mention. So the first mention of someone who's wise is Pharaoh speaking about Joseph. Isaac did just a great job on Joseph. We're going to a few weeks get into Joseph again. We're going to come back on Joseph. But, but, but think of this. Pharaoh, which is like the highest authority on the earth, it says about Joseph that he is discerning and wise, which puts Joseph in a position to save the world. Do you know that people talk about God judging Israel, uh, Egypt, God judges Egypt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that God saved Egypt before he judged it? This man was in position to steward because he was wise. That's very, very important. Um, very important. So now the first mention of wise is in Genesis, as I just gave you, 4139. Now, the first mention of the word wisdom is in Exodus 28. The gifted artisans. I think of Deb when I think of the, that. That comes to my mind. I'm just being honest. The, the, the gifted artisans. Now, the word gifted, skillful, clever, experienced, and also Wise man. So these are artisans who are anointed to create. This is very important. Now, Exodus 28. Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him for among them the children of Israel that they may minister to me as a priest. Aaron and his sons Nadab and Abihu. Now, do you know they didn't finish well? You know why they didn't finish well? Because of pride. They offered strange fire. Do you remember that? Yep. Come on. Amen. Yes. That shows you that God has good intentions for people and people do not participate with God's plans and is to their demise. That's not God's will. That was their will. All right, that was all free. Now, Aaron and uh, his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithmar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and beauty. Say glory, glory. and beauty. beauty. The, the favor of God on Joseph's life was materialized in what? But what did he have on? He had a coat of many colors. So, so the favor... And the beauty has to materialize. Okay. Come on. okay, some of you, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I care, God. <laughs> I'm into beauty and glory. Okay, so you shall speak to all the gifted artists whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. So God, watch this, he already filled them for their assignment. I feel so empty. Listen, hold on. I'm not asking you what you feel like. I'm asking you what did God say? Because when you have an assignment, you have grace for that assignment. And you know one of the things that what, what really hampers most creative people? Most creative people do not materialize their success or monetize their success because they are undisciplined. If you find a creative who is very disciplined, he will be very rich. Because most creatives are in feelings. But that's not, economics don't work on feelings. Come 
So you have to learn with discipline to steer and to direct your gift. Okay? I'm trying to help you, someone. Amen. So the spirit of wisdom creates things for beauty and glory. You see this in the ancient world. You see this in Italy when they had the Renaissance. You see this all throughout history when the church is at the cutting edge of society. It is creating things that are beautiful. It's either abusing people <laughs> uh, and, and extorting people or it's beautifying people. This is not a church where you're going to get hurt. If you get hurt here, nobody hurts you. You hurt yourself. We're not going to tolerate anyone hustling you for money. This is, not, this is a place of healing and health. This is not a place to get hurt. You can go somewhere else for that, but not here. So this is, this is something, the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him to me, that he may minister to me as a priest. So your ministry starts... Not out there, but up here. Your first ministry, do you know that the scripture says that we are kings and priests? So that we have an influence in the heavens and an influence on the earth. Kings and priests. The heart of God from the beginning was a royal priesthood. Right? Are, are you guys with me? So God wants Aaron to minister to him, but he wants him to have on holy garments that reflect glory and beauty. Do you know why you are attracted to glory and beauty? Because you're human. You're created in the image and likeness of God. Have you ever read what God's house is like? Have you ever read, have you ever read Revelation where it talks about the gates, the, the gates and, and, and the city walls and, 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 and the streets of gold? Have you ever read that? Where do you think, you think that comes from Donald Trump? That comes from God. God is in to beauty and creativity. Don't you see our buildings? They're all squared and gray. Everything has become neutral. Neutral is at war with beauty. And I like gray. I'm, not, I'm a gray person in color. But I'm talking about everything now has become dumbed down and, and it is not beautiful. Now, there's, now, in Asia, that's changing because now the architecture, they're back into that with a modern thing. But when you go, th when you go to Europe, you will see buildings in Europe that you will look at those buildings and you go, how in God's name did they make that building like that Without cranes and all this stuff that we have now, they have cement that is hand-carved. That is, that it makes you stop and go like that and because that's what beauty is supposed to do. Now, God, when he wants his priest to stand before him, he wants him to look good. There's, there's a whole bunch of principles in that. In addition to that, he, he has to wear linen garments that breathes because you cannot sweat in the presence of God. You cannot strive your way into the presence of God. So that striving thing, you know how like you, you got to have it, you got to have it, you got to do it, you, blah, you, you know that thing that we have, all of us. You cannot do that in the presence of God. That doesn't work with God. You receive from God by rest, by entering in by faith. It doesn't mean you don't press. But you can't manipulate God. Spiritual hunger does not manipulate God. I just want to let you know that. Okay. And these are the garments which they shall make a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as a priest. Now you guys know that these, were, these garments were so well made that they were passed down from generation to generation. You know something cheap is not worth fixing. Something valuable is worth fixing. We, we should build in our life things to last. Whether you're talking about your marriage, you should build that thing to last. 
whether you're talking about a project that you do, we should build with the future in mind. How you build really determines your future. Like, what are we going to give our children? David gave Solomon a throne. We're going to give our kids a trailer park or a, th a, thr a throne. What are you going to give your children? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about what are we going to give the next generation? That's a real, that's a question that you really have to think about. Some of you are old, it's too late. But, but for those of you who are young, you have to really think about what are you going to give the next generation. For those of you who are old, it's not too late because you can still impart things to the next generation. Now, God is worthy of glory and you have none. <laughs> have you ever read Revelation? God is worthy of wisdom, riches, power, strength, honor. How can you give God something you don't have? God, I give you glory. No, you don't got none. God, I give you which riches. You got that? God, I give you strength. You haven't visited a bench in six years. I'm sorry. I'm messing with you. God, I give you wisdom. You've made bad choices your whole life. It's like, wait a second. So now don't, don't, don't feel regret. Don't get mad at me. Don't be upset with me. The good news is if you have breath in your lungs, you can recover. You can, you can recover. And until you hate something, you won't leave it. If, if you don't hate bad decisions, you will not stop making bad decisions. You will never leave something you don't hate. When you hate something, it's easy to leave. <laughs> it's easy to leave. All right. So now, let's go to Kings. Uh, we're going to go to Kings. Kings is a very fascinating. We're going to go to 1 Kings 3. And I do want to hostage you today, honestly. I got to be honest. But I'm going to try my best, due to various factors, to not make it a full hostage but a halfway hostage, because Brother Eric wants it. So this is 1 Kings 3. Now, this is really profound because God is going to show up to Solomon and ask Solomon, what do you want? This is really powerful. You see this in Jesus. Jesus goes up to somebody and goes, what can I do for you? <laughs> now, if God asks you, what do you want, you really got to answer correctly okay so we're going to take his example because he's showing us something here where he got more than he asked for and you know that God is in the business of exceeding our expectations because he's a good father all right first kings uh three now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh king of Egypt and married Pharaoh's daughter then it brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. That right there is loaded. Do you see that? His house, the house of the Lord, and the wall. Can I tell you something? That's not a smart way to build. Not a smart way to build. You know whose house is first? The Lord's house is first. Not smart. Can I tell you what else is not smart? That's not strategic. You know why it's not strategic? You build the wall first. You know why you build the wall first? Because a city without walls is not safe. You cannot build in an unsafe environment. You cannot build with unsafe people. Amen. All right. Okay. <laughs> Verse 2. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. See that? If people don't have a place, they'll make their own. You know that that didn't work out too good for Nabat and Abihu. <laughs> okay, watch. Don't worry, there's more. And Solomon loved the Lord. So, so in the midst of 
are imperfections and wrong priorities. All of us ha have been there at times. He loved the Lord. Have you ever loved the Lord, but you really are struggling to get it right? All right. God is good because, again, he's going to say, all right, let me, let, me, let me help you. Now, there's something Solomon does, which I want you to see. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, say, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at high places. God told him, do not go with foreign women. Being unequally yoked means that you're yoked to slavery. You know Christians can be unequally yoked? You can be with a Christian that does not want to pursue the kingdom of God and the things of God, and you can have a Christian that wants to pursue the things of God, and although they both believe that Jesus is real and Lord, one wants him to be Lord of their life and one does not. And you can be with a Christian and still be unequally yoked. If you're not married, be very careful who you marry. Don't play games with your future. So, anyway, now uh, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. You know what a thousand burnt offerings is like? If we take a fleet of pickup trucks, F-150s, and I say, God, I trust you, and I light a thousand F-150s up on fire. Because you have to understand about sacrifices, these animals tilled and worked their field. Kind of like a pickup truck helps you do the work. So he takes a thousand animals and burns them on the altar and he starts with an extravagant act of generosity and worship to God. This is, this is something because extravagant generosity with pure motives gets the attention of God. That gets God's attention. How do I know? Acts 10. Cornelius. His prayers and his alms came up before God as a memorial. He wasn't even born again. But he was doing something in faith with pure motives, and it passed into the heavens and came up before the face of God as a memorial. This is really something. So he offers a thousand burnt Offering. This is a big, <laughs> this is a big seed here. And, and watch the very next thing that happens. Watch this. Now the king went to Gibeon, sacrificed there. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. <laughs> and asked, what shall I give you? If, if, I don't know if you're seeing a connection there is a connection with Solomon's act of faith and God responding with, what can I do for you? You can breathe easy. We're not taking up an offering. <laughs> People are like, but I'm, try I'm, trying to, I'm trying to show you something for your life. For you. You go, this is for you. I worked this this week, by God's grace. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is for you. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to show you something here. There is a principle that radical generosity gets the attention of God. It's not pay to play. It's not manipulate God. But when you do something with a pure motive, God responds to it. That's, that's the point. Now, and Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your, your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me your servant, king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge 
uh, your people that I may discern good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? This speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you nor shall anyone like you arise after you. A league of his own. So, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream, as he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Watch what he's going to do. And he offered burnt offerings, peace offerings, and he made a feast for all of his servants. He starts with an offering. He receives what he's asking for. He ends with an offering and a feast for his servants. You have to learn how to celebrate the wins that God has given you. If you do not celebrate the wins that God has given you, you're robbing God of what he deserves. You celebrate, why, why, why do you, for example, it's your anniversary and you can afford, let's say, to go away. Why do you go away? Because you are celebrating the life and the person that God has given you. This is a priority. So you have to learn to celebrate. You have to. Maybe you're saying, Adam, you don't know my husband or you don't know my wife or you don't know my situation. Listen, I'm not minimizing the struggle, but when you get a win, celebrate it. Because when you celebrate a win, you'll get more wins. You see this with children. When you reward what you want more of, you get more of what you rewarded. That's true. Amen. All right. Now, also, he made a feast for his servants. And this is important because the people who serve with you enter into the breakthrough that is yours. For example, you, I'll just use a family. If a father is a mess, the house is a mess. But if the father is healthy, the father is strong, the father is wise, and he makes wise choices, then the wife and the children are the benefactors of those choices. So Solomon is entering into a breakthrough, and he's like, listen, if you're serving with me, if you're serving me, you're going to enter into what God just gave me. This is very important. This is why the people that you're associated with are important. So sometimes you have to cut off associations that are not productive. I never had a problem with that. Thank God, I've had many problems, but that's not one of them. If, if you're not moving in the direction, I don't care if you have the same last name, first name, cousin, I don't care. If you're not, I can lose people. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Solomon's wise judgment. Now two women who were harlots came to him and stood before him. Listen to me. I'm going to give you a New Jersey translation. Hoes cause drama. Come, to, come with me. Say hoes cause drama. I went to church today. My pastor told me hoes cause drama. So now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And the woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. 
So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in the bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had bore. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king and they said, the one says, this is my son who lives and your son is dead, this is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought before the king and the king said, divide the child in two and give one half to one and one half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living, spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But one said, Let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him. You see how bitter someone is when they lost? Losers are bitter. You know winners are not bitter? <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. Now, so the king answered and said, give the, okay, boom, boom, boom. And all Israel heard, so the king answered, excuse me, verse 27, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. And all of Israel heard the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Okay. What just happened? What just happened? Here's what just happened. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. What just happened is God shows up to Solomon and goes, what do you want? That's good. I mean, to me, that's good news. If God showed up to me, I'd be like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'd be like, yes, Lord. So God shows up to Solomon and is like, what do you want? And Solomon, I don't know, he, he really asked the right thing because he got more than he asked for. Isn't that good with God? God is like, well, could ask for long life or riches or, or vengeance. But you ask for the type of heart that fulfill the assignment I've given you. So I'm going to give you riches, honor, and life. <laughs> Money, power, respect. <laughs> like, so what people really want, I'm going to give you that too. But you know what, that, you know what all those things are? All of those things are a byproduct of a wise and understanding heart. Wisdom is more valuable than rubies. Can I tell you something about wisdom? Wisdom attracts wealth. Why? Because wise people know how to use what they have. And when you use what you have well, you will get more. Let me give you an example of the soccer player Neymar. You know Neymar? Brazilian? He's one of the most famous soccer players in the world. One of the most rich soccer players in the world. That's like Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar. He's like right there. Do you know that Saudi Arabia pays him 500,000 euros for him to make a post on his story? Not even on his page. On his story. Someone tell me how much that is in U.S. dollars. Can someone? Isaac? Someone? You got a calculator? Brett, he's on it. I'm going to illustrate something to you. I know because this is not religious. We're going to have to talk plain, plain here. This is, the, this is the language people understand. Plain. How much is that? Okay. 500 and what? 
44,000 US dollars to post a story on his Instagram. Yes. I'll do it for half the price and be a tremendous guy. But nobody cares about my story because they want to shut my stories down. <laughs> but, but, but you know what it is? Why? Because he had a gift. He stewarded his gift. It led to increase. Do you know that he's, he's, a, he's a Christian? Do you know this? Like a vocal Christian. He wears a diamond necklace to let everyone know he's Christian. Little cross. And you know that Saudi Arabia, Prince Alawid? Prince Alawid sends his jet to pick him up. That never happens outside of stewardship. Which is an expression of wisdom. I mean, you may go, oh, it's a ball on a field. Yeah, well, you're not getting paid, and neither am I, a half a million dollars to post a story. So all of our comments mean nothing, just to let you know. That is an expression of wisdom. Wisdom leads to increase. A Muslim prince, a king, will send uh, more than a $200 million Boeing jet just to pick him up. And he comes in walking around with his gold chain and the watch, taking pictures. Everywhere you go, they take pictures. And he's a believer, and he's walking in that type of favor. And you know why? Because he stewarded the ability that God gave him, and it gave him the ability to do things he would have never dreamed of as a little poor kid from a favela. And I've been to those favelas, and I'm telling you, that's another level. That's another level. So, stewardship. So now he asks God, track with me, he asks God for a wise and understanding heart to judge his people. How you handle God's people is very important. Very important to God. How you handle my children, that's very important. Someone comes to try to do something bad to my children. I'm going to say it as graciously as possible. It will be over my dead body. And that's it. And it will not be an easy dead body to, to, to dead it. Because we got clips loaded up with the scope and the red dot. Yeah, that's real life. Because, I'm serious, because don't, that is my responsibility. Their well-being is my responsibility as long as I'm alive. That's my responsibility. Amen. Remember when David lost two wives in one day? That's a bad day. <laughs> he lost wives and children. He's like, that's a bad day, man. What happened to you today? Oh, I lost two wives. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> like, you really need some therapy. He prayed, God, what should I do? God said, go get them back. Those are yours. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you should have two wives, but I'm saying that you should hold on to and protect to the best of your ability what God gives you. All right? So now he asks for something, and the very next scene, God tests him. Isn't that interesting? Oh, you want to have a wise, understanding heart? Here come two hoes. Yeah, that's my kid. It's like... <laughs> no, it's, this is the Bible. The Bible is, I mean, it's crazy. And, and so two drama queens come. Ah, it's my baby. It's my baby mama. And, and so, so they're coming with drama. And now he has to defuse this situation and God gives him wisdom to personalize the problem so that he can have discernment. You, you have to really understand how discernment works. There's two things. If the discernment is a coin, you got the heads and the tails of discernment. 
the heads of discernment is that you must personalize something. The other side of that same coin is you must totally depersonalize something. So you must learn how to be completely objective and totally subjective to see the situation correctly. I'll give you an example. Nathan the seer comes and he confronts David. Nathan comes with a parable. Remember that? He said, there's a rich man, and the rich man has everything, and there's a little poor man, and the little poor man has one little sheepy, and, and the rich man comes and takes his sheep. And, and, and well, what would you do, David? David goes, whoa, the, the, the rich guy's got to die. And Nathan goes, you're the rich guy. He was able through a parable to depersonalize it so it could become personal. This is, this, is, this is something, if you're going to rule, I, you have to, if you're going to govern, you have to learn how to not personalize, but see things from other people's perspective. People go, oh, I didn't see that. I know you didn't see that. That's the problem. You can't see that because you're blind and all you can see is you. But you have to learn to see that. You have to learn to see from someone else's perspective. Someone who does not see from someone else's perspective will always have broken relationships. So now, this is important because now, now he's going to do the opposite. It's going to get real personal. Why? Because the mother, for mom, if you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to let nobody kill your children. You, you know that there's, 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 there's proof in the ancient world that a mother hen would come over the chick's and, and, and would, would brood over them and put their wing and spread their wings over them so that if a fire came, the fire would burn the mother to death and when the fire was over, the little chicks would come out from under the wings. That, so that metaphor of Jesus saying to Jerusalem, I want to gather you like a mother hen would gather chicks. He was saying, I wanted to absorb the fire and the wrath and the judgment for you, but you didn't want that. You wanted to go the way of war, so you got war. Rome's coming. And that's, that's a whole other thing that we're not talking about. But here, he, he, he personalizes it. And of course, the mother's going to say, I would rather someone raise my child then you kill my child in front of me. Because she bore that child in her body. Mothers, you know what, what the heck that is. This is something that you can't, you know, you don't make that up. That thing takes your life over. You go from, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant. You know, my hair is looking better. It's like you, something's happened in your life. And then you go, dang, and this thing takes over. So these women who bear a child, they know the price of life. They're like, no, 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 you can't do that. So he, he uses, he makes it personal to bring discernment to bring peace and solutions. But this is, this is what I wanted to get at. What I'm getting at is you're asking God for something. And then God brings a situation to you that is unfavorable, but it's the very thing that you just asked for. I don't know if you're seeing that. He's asking for a, a heart, a, an understanding heart, two hosts come up with drama. This is the Bible. I, I know that, you know, you, it says harlots. It's the same exact word. So be ready. Be ready. When you ask for something, be ready. Because the test is coming. A test is coming. Listen, there's a, a storm will come to every man's house to test what that house is built on. And here's, here's the thing that's rough. The man builds the house on sand, and guess who pays? Everybody inside the house. So be careful what you build your house on. Be careful because there's collateral damage if you don't build correctly. Maybe you said, okay, pastor, well, we did not build our marriage correctly, okay? But you're alive, and if, and if, you, if you want to refresh, you could do it correctly because most people evade the process and then wonder why they don't get the results of the process. 
That's why evading the process is very foolish. Very foolish. Embrace every process. Every process that God has designed to make you, to form you, to fashion you, to heal you, to strengthen you, to build you. Embrace that because that is important because the destination does not get you ready. It's the process that gets you ready. God is more concerned about a process than a destination because our destination is Jesus. And we're walking with Jesus and the goal is to become like Jesus, not to just get what I want in this life and, and put Jesus' name on it. I want you to have everything and more than you want, but that cannot be first. If it is first, then you don't steward it. It stewards you. And that, 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 is, that, is, not, that is not a correct manner in which uh, to, to, to go. So now, you, you see the story. All of Israel now is fearing the king, for they saw in him the wisdom of God. So this one, listen to this, this one solution that God used him to bring forth positions him for the people to see him correctly. The Bible says that God exceedingly magnified Solomon in the eyes of the people. Why? Because if they don't respect him, they don't receive from him. That's why if you don't respect me, go somewhere where you respect the pastor. Because you'll rob yourself of who you could become. And that's what happens when people get friends and familiar and cool, and I'm cool and we're cool and yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we're cool and I'm hanging out with you and you're making all the wrong decisions. And the, the role that I'm supposed to play in your life is not helping you. Because we're cool. Cool, cool, cool. And I, I, I'm not, cool doesn't matter. What matters is, are you able to receive what God has for you? And am I able to receive what God has for me? Are we able to be mutually beneficial to one another? This is very important. All of the relationships in your life, if they are not mutually beneficial, they're abusive in nature. Which you have to get a hold of that. Because you don't deserve to be abused. None of you. You do not deserve to be abused. And you cannot let people abuse you. You have to draw the line. If you don't draw the line, it'll continue. And I say that because I love you, not because I'm being insensitive. Now, remember um, when it started, Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. Remember that? That was in ancient culture how they made peace treaties. But that was an error. Watch this. 1 Kings 11. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women from the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord said, the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry them, nor... They with you, surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines in his wives, turned away his heart. Watch this. For so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. Let me say something to you. This is the word of God. If your heart is not loyal to this, you're not going to be loyal to me. If your heart is not loyal to this, you're not going to be loyal to your spouse. If, this, if your heart is not loyal to the standards and the word of God, you will not be loyal to your own future. You'll curse your future. You know the hardest advice to take is your own advice? If Solomon would have followed half of his advice in Proverbs... If he would have took half of his own advice, he would have finished well. He did not follow the simple instructions of God. And he didn't finish well. God said, do not intermarry with them. Do not. And what happened? Kiki and Jezzy and all her cousins took his heart 
away from God. Let me say something to you. If you're a man who's led by a woman, you're in serious trouble. You're in serious, serious trouble. You are in serious trouble because you are not fulfilling the responsibility that God gave you and that responsibility starts in your heart and in your home. If you don't get that right, you have no ministry, you have no future, you got to get that right. And I'm not talking about domineering, oppressive, machismo leadership. I'm talking about loving, gentle, kind, sacrificial, firm direction. Joshua said, not his wife, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The wife's showing up to the prayer meeting while the husband is, you know, doing drugs and stuff. No, no, no. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. This is a responsibility of a man. So maybe your husband is not that there yet. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him, but you, you, this, is, this is the role. you you got to step into what happens in our, in our culture. There wants to be a role reversal. That is very damaging, and it damages children. So now, the law of God, Deuteronomy, right? Are, are you guys with me? Was very clear that you shall have no, God's first law is nothing else before me. Right? Are you guys with me? Yeah. Why? Because idolatry leads to captivity. God freed his people because he wants them free. So, so if you allow something to be before God, you will go into bondage. Whether it's feelings, fear, a woman, a man, anger, anything that you put before God will lead you into captivity. Now, the written word gives us very clear instructions. People go, I don't believe that. Well, I still love you. I'm not mad at you. But that doesn't mean that just because you don't believe it, that doesn't mean that you will not come under its authority. For example, I may not believe gravity. I may not understand gravity. I may not tell you what is it, the law of gravity. I may not uh, understand how gravity works. But if I move my phone to the edge and it falls off the edge, I will come under the influence of gravity. So, God says, do not marry foreign women. Solomon didn't listen. It is clear in Scripture. This is the thing. When a believer or someone who's supposed to be the people of God choose to openly disregard what God says, there is nothing that you can do for them except pray. Because if they don't have reverence for God, they don't care about you. They, they don't, I mean, they, they cannot fulfill their role in the relationship because they have not given God the place that he deserves. Because God is the one who gives me the ability to fulfill the assignment he's given me. The same way Solomon said, give me a wise understanding heart. He knew he could not fulfill the assignment of God without the help of God. Same thing in a marriage, in a family, in a business, in a church. If, if someone is not giving God the position that he deserves, they will not be able to fulfill their role. And you see the same principle in the New Testament where Jesus is telling the parable. Remember the, remember the rich man? The rich man is in hell. And the rich man in hell is saying, hey, send the poor guy to my family <laughs> or send someone from the dead. And then Jesus responds in the parable, well, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't, they won't listen if someone came back from the dead. Which means that if someone will not regard the word of God, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, if you don't believe in the word of God, then we're not judging you and we're not holding you to something that you don't necessarily believe. But if you say you believe 
and then you will not come under the influence and under the authority of what you're saying that you're believing and you want to continue to go on living as you please, you're going to bring real problems onto yourself and your family. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, if I don't become aware that I am going to give an account to God for my thoughts, words, actions, habits, if I don't become aware, God aware, not sin aware, God aware, if I don't become God conscious, I cannot make wise choices. So the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of wise choices, the beginning of choices that are beneficial for me in this life and in the life which is to come, I first have to become the fear of the Lord. I first have to become aware that I will be held accountable. Someone looked me in the face the other day and said, don't compromise. You're going to stand before God. And that's good. We all need to hear that. And I'll say to you, don't compromise. You're going to stand before God. And your wife is not going to stand with you. And your mommy's not going to stand with you. Your dad is not going to stand with you. You will give an account for you. And God will not be like, well, you know, you had bad parents. You're good. No, you had my son. You had my spirit. You had everything you needed. Okay. If you ask for wisdom, you will get wisdom because God is generous. So I don't buy it. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. But if I humble myself and ask for it, I will receive it. That's really good news because that means all you have to do, it's like, what do you got to do for your breakthrough? Well, you just got to say, I'm going to have a breakdown without this breakthrough. I, I, <laughs> I need your wisdom. You know what that is? That's humility. Humility says, I need help. That's, that's fine. Can I, can I give you a parable? Let me give you a modern day parable. Let's just say you have a leak in your house, right? And you are the homeowner, which means no landlord is coming to save you. And you are the one who is responsible to fix the leak or else you're just going to, you know, mess up your nice basement. So, so now you, 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 you're just going, well, I don't feel like I need it. Well, <laughs> you have water coming to this healing. I'm not sure about, we're talking about feelings. Oh, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I have a leak. What will the plumber think of me if he sees that I have a leak? Oh, my God. We don't want anyone to know that we have a leak because, you know. And then the whole ceiling comes down. And what you were in denial about and ashamed of got worse. I'm giving you that parable because no one with a right mind would do that. In the natural, you'd call a plumber. But in the spirit, we don't ask for help. We don't think we need help. The very premise that you don't think that you need help lets you know you need help. Oh, we don't need counseling. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need healing. Oh, you don't need healing? When I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me give you another modern-day parable. Mom and a dad, they come and they take little Johnny. We're going to use Johnny because there's no Johnnies here. People <laughs> get upset with me. So we take little Johnny... Johnny lives in Closter. He's a nice boy. He's good at school. And we take Johnny to therapy because Johnny hates himself. And you go, dear Johnny, how do you hate yourself? You play baseball. You live in a nice house. You got a little white fence. You got a pool in your backyard, Johnny. Why are you so self-destructive, Johnny? And Ted and Sharon bring Johnny And you see, Johnny's really a disturbed person. Nine out of ten times, when Ted and Sharon bring Johnny, do you know who really needs therapy? <laughs> you guys are smart, man. You guys, uh, you guys are good, man. And, and so why is little Johnny like that? Okay, 
Johnny is like that because Johnny lived in the ecosystem that Ted and Sharon created. And they go, I can't understand why Johnny is like that. Me and your mother have done our best and we are good people and we go to church. But Johnny's cutting himself because Johnny lives in the anxiety and the strife of Sharon and Ted. Why do I say that? I say that because wisdom helps to correctly diagnose what is wrong. And it is wisdom that says, I will not be ashamed that I have a leak in my house I'm going to call a plumber. Right? We're not going to feel ashamed. We're going to call a plumber. We got a leak. Okay. If you have a leak in your house, call a plumber. Call a carpenter. Call Jesus. I mean, I mean really, and don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Shame is a lie to keep you stuck. If you are a damaged person and you are crazy, that's okay. You don't have to stay that way. If your kids are like that, they don't have to stay that way. They don't. There's healing. But, here's the but. If you, don't, if you do not get under the authority of God in your life, it will lead to more bondage and captivity. All right? Now, if you respond to discipline and correction correctly, you will get wisdom. Okay, we're almost done. I told you it was a half hostage. We're encroaching upon a fool. Now, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. A companion of fools will be what? Destroyed. Here's the thing about having wise people in your life. If you bounce a stupid idea off a wise person, they'll tell you that's dumb. And if you have all wise people around you, it'll be really hard to do dumb stuff. You'll have to be dumb on purpose. Because no matter who you talk to, they're going to be like, shop lock, that's a bad idea. <laughs> it's like, that's not, you know. And when people want to do dumb stuff, they isolate themselves. Anyway, I don't need nobody. Oh, yeah, you can be dumb on your own. No problem. Yeah, yeah, do that. Do what you want to do. Let me know how that works out for you. I know that have people that did that. They, they wouldn't tell anyone who will tell them that that's dumb. They wanted to get in investments, and they didn't know anything about their investments, and they lost their pants and their trust. And they didn't ask nobody that will look them in the face and tell them, that's stupid. Don't do that. It was a strange woman that took their heart astray, that corrupted their mind. Okay. You never know who that is. It's, it's not about that. Now, the scriptures are to make you wise for salvation. When the word dwells richly in you, wisdom flows from you. What is the world searching for? Do you know that, that when, 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 when you go through the Queen of Sheba narrative, it says that all of the world wanted to hear the wisdom of Solomon. When you are a person who is sought after, you're in a different position. It's different when someone asks you what do you think than you going telling everyone what you think. The more you tell people what you think, the more you devalue your opinion. It's way better for people to ask you. It's way better for people to invite you than for you to invite yourself. Right? Okay. The world. What does the world want? Consultants. Coaches. Self-help. Books. Blah, blah, blah. You know, what, you know what they're searching for? Wisdom. 
and wisdom is a person. Jesus is the wisdom and the power of God. Okay. And the scriptures teach us that Jesus, again, there we go, is the wisdom. It's almost like it's in there. Jesus is the wisdom and the power of God. So that means that you have wisdom and power for your assignment. You have grace for your moment. You may be struggling. You may be going through something that you, you don't see a way out. You have grace for your moment. God is with you. You are not alone. This is what you need to ask the Lord to show you. In light of where I am, what do I need to do now? What, don't focus on 20 years from now. Don't focus on tomorrow. What can you make or do today that will help you make progress toward where God is taking you? Sometimes it's showing kindness to someone who's being nasty. Sometimes wisdom is simply not to say anything. The Bible says that even when a fool is silent, he's perceived as a man of understanding. Sometimes you should just shut up and don't say nothing. Because the more you talk, the worse you make it. You know. All right. We're going to continue this series another day. <laughs> So what I want to do, if I can, uh, just for a minute, is I want to just pray over you briefly that God will give you wisdom because I don't know what you're facing exactly. Some of you have an idea. I, but, but, I, but I know, this is what I know about God, and I know because I've been there, God will show you the next step. He may not show you where you're going to wind up, but God will show you the next step. All right? Lord, these are your people. They're not my people. They're your people. And I ask you, Father, that you would give them your wisdom to make powerful decisions that position themselves for what you have for them as individuals, as married couples, as families, there's young people that need to make decisions about their future. I ask you to give them godly wisdom and to give them the ability to hear you through other people and to see you at work, even in situations where it doesn't look as if you're there. So I pray, Lord, that you would make something beautiful out of our brokenness and that you would give us wisdom to make godly decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I love you. And that was really, I think, a full hostage. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.